Good morning. Give it up for the worship team. Guys, thank you so much. And the tech team. Thank you for leading us into worship this morning. If you don't know who I am, my name is Chad Lowe. I'm one of the pastors here at Tri-Village Church, and I'm really excited to be with you this morning. Um, We have been going through a series, God of Promises, where we've seen the faithfulness of God revealed in his word. And this is the last week of the series, and I'm really excited to talk about the promise of paradise. Before we begin, though, would you bow and pray with me? God, you are so good and holy. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. God, I thank you for your faithfulness, not just in my life, but in your world. Lord, I'm very quick to be faithless but you are faithful. I pray as we open your word and we talk about heaven and the glory of your resurrection and what that means for us. God, whatever I have to say that's from you, let us not forget it. And whatever I have to say that's from me, let us forget it right now. Lord, we want you to be glorified. We want you to be lifted high. And Lord, we want you to come back soon. Pray this in your name. Amen. So, I get to talk to you about paradise, about heaven, about eternity. Small topic. So, so it's really exciting um, for me personally because when I was scheduled to preach this morning, I, Will didn't know how the the topic was important for me because I had a boss a a few years ago who, who challenged me to pray, to meditate, to focus on a single word and to have that word be the word that I meditate on throughout an entire year and encouraged as a family that my wife and I would do, would do that. And so we've tried to do that since he's, he's encouraged us to do that. And so this year, as I was meditating and praying, oh Lord, what, what do you want me to focus on this year? The word was eternity. So Will had no idea, but this is really exciting. So when I, when I got this, um, this call to, to preach today, I was like, wow, Lord, you are so faithful. And when I say that the word for me was eternity, please do not be mistaken. I am not an expert on heaven. <laughs> I'm not an expert on eternity, but there is so much that scripture has revealed to me in this year, and I would love to share it with you. And it's exciting. And so the, the phrase for me, the phrase for my wife is, in light of eternity, focus on eternity. And that is, that's going to be, I'm going to give you the main point of everything that we're going to talk about today, is focus on eternity. We're going to unpack that. What does that mean? But focus on eternity, living in light of the reality of heaven. Now, when we think about heaven, as I was preparing for this, I asked a few friends, I asked former students of mine, I asked people, when you hear the word heaven and you hear the word paradise, what do you think of? Whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you're here and you don't even know that you believe in afterlife, you think it just all ends, this is all there is, everyone has an opinion on heaven. Um, Whether your opinion is there is no heaven or not, everyone has an opinion on it. But it's so different. <laughs> there's similarities, but there's, there's such a different perspective as to what heaven will be like. And I want to talk about what heaven is and what heaven is not. 
And so I think it's important for us as we talk, as we, as we look and focus on eternity, what are we talking about when we talk about heaven? What are we talking about when we talk about paradise? And so I want to explain what heaven is. So to put it simply, heaven is where God dwells. It's like the, it's the home of God. That's where he dwells. But I want us to think about what heaven is not first, because I think that there's some false pictures that maybe you have had, like me, of what heaven is, and it's really not this at all. So first, um, I remember when I, when I heard about heaven, there are aspects of it that got me really excited, but there's other parts that I thought might be kind of boring, because I thought that heaven would be like an eternal church service. Now, don't get me wrong, like I love church, like we're all here, like hopefully this isn't boring for you, but... It was like, okay, we're just going to like sing forever and someone's going to get up and like talk and I'm going to be sitting in a chair listening for like all of eternity. Like, I don't know why, but that's what I thought heaven would be. I'm like, you know, that's cool. I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot, but it doesn't really sound like, I'm not like, yay, let's go to heaven. So heaven, heaven is not an eternal church service. Now, don't get me wrong. We're going to worship and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and we are going to, we are going to learn about our, our Lord, but, but it's not an eternal church service. It's not boring at all. It's, it's actually the opposite of boring. So it's not a church service. The other thing I think we think of, and, and maybe you think like me, it's kind of like this cloud planet-like world where we just kind of float around, like not really physical, but we're just kind of like these floaty cloud beings, you know? And there's, there's angels around, maybe Cupid shooting arrows, and we're just playing harps, and it's just kind of like, oh, you know, it's just, that's heaven, you know? It's just kind of like floaty cloud world. Um, it's not. That's not heaven. Heaven is actually physical, we read scripture that we are going to receive, and we're going to get to this in just a second, a glorified body. We'll have physical body. It's a physical place and space. But we're going to get to what it is in just a second. So what it's not, it's not an eternal church service. It's not boring. It's not floaty cloud world. But it's also, I think, um, when I think of paradise, and a few people have affirmed this when I asked, I think of like an all-inclusive resort vacation, you know? Like, it's the escape. Um, I just picture sitting on the beach with an ice-cold lemonade, no one bothering me, no responsibilities, no emails. It's beautiful. And there's just the ocean breeze, and, and it's just awesome. And there's people I want to be there that are there, not people I don't want to be there. Um, and that's heaven. It's just like this escape. It's just, it's beautiful. And, and while parts of that may be true, the reason that that isn't true is because when we think of heaven, in life we're pursuing one of two things. We're pursuing either the kingdom of heaven and what it actually is, or we're pursuing the kingdom of me. And I do not create my own kingdom. Heaven is not the kingdom that I create. It's not about me. It involves me. It is, it, it's not revolving around me. It's not about me escaping from everything else. I, a lot of times when I picture heaven, I don't actually picture God. I picture an escape. And that just shows that I'm pursuing this kingdom of me. And maybe you're there with me. Maybe these thoughts of heaven you've, you've identified with as well. So what is heaven? Like, wh how do, if that's what heaven isn't, then what is it? Well, heaven is the fulfillment of these promises we've been talking about. It's when they become actual always. And so I'm going to throw some, some theological words to you and explain them. So heaven is the fulfillment of our justification. So what that means is that heaven, we are, we are declared righteous before God, not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
because of his payment of his death on the cross and his resurrection. Heaven is the fulfillment of that. We don't bear the marks of sin anymore. That's awesome. That's heaven. Like, I don't have to bear the marks of sin, failure, and regret anymore. Now, it's also the fulfillment of our sanctification. Sanctification is becoming holy like Jesus. It's, it's having his holiness. We, we aren't broken anymore. It's also our glorification. We receive this new physical body. For some of us, it's like, amen. I would love to lose like 27 pounds. Like that would be, you know, or it's like my knees don't work so well. I'm young and my knees literally, like this isn't a joke. They don't work well. So it's like, ah, oh, I long for this new body, this new physical life. Heaven is the fulfillment of the promises of God fully always. But most importantly, heaven is where God dwells with us. We get to be with our maker and it's going to be awesome it's going to be beautiful. We get to work. We, we know that um, scripture says that we actually get to work in heaven. So we're just going to be sitting around bored like, what am I going to do today? Is, uh, you know, maybe you think of it as like kind of an elongated forever retirement. But it's just, it's more of like, no, I get to work. We, and when we work, I don't know if you felt like this, but I know in my work, there are things that, I, that give me life in work and there's things that really suck the life from me in work. Um, Anything administrative really sucks the life from me in work. And so, but, but in heaven, our work isn't, we aren't going to have to fight this work and life balance. They're going to be unified in one. We work and the work is fulfilling and the work is glorifying to God because it's the way work was created to be. We aren't going to suffer and struggle and just kind of climb tooth and nail to the top trying to prove something with ourselves. Instead, work is fulfilling because work is the way it was intended to be. But then also, not just do we get to work, but we have the fulfillment of relationship. Um, for me, that, that is actually really awesome because for most of my life, I didn't have friends. I had a lot of acquaintances, but I didn't have anyone who knew me, like who knew real Chad. And, and that was really hard. I actually didn't have friends until I got to college. I went through high school, a lot of people who knew me, but I didn't have friends until I got to college. Now I'm married, so it's awesome. So I have a best friend. But, um, but if you're like me and you've had any kind of relationship with another human being, which should be all of you, whether it's a family member, a sibling, a parent, or, or a friend or a loved one, you fought with them. Some of you fought with them on your way here. You, you know this vivid, vividly. It's palpable. You're like, yeah, no, we're still working through that. Heaven, we have the restoration of relationship. Not just with other people, but with God himself. We aren't fighting anymore. Instead of having this this argument, we have unity and peace. And so heaven is, is the fulfillment of the restoration of relationship. But also something else that heaven is the fulfillment of is satisfaction. I don't know if you have been like this. I know I have. You've really looked forward to something, whether it's a vacation, an event, um, a Cubs game where they lost, and for a long time that was just life. Um, but whatever it was, you just you ha you had this idea like, oh, I'm going to go do this thing, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so awesome. It's going to be wonderful. And then afterwards, your friend's like, how was it? How was the thing? And you're like, it was okay. It was good. I mean, I mean, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. It was fun. I, I wished it would have been like this. Maybe it was a vacation where you wanted to rest and you did so many things, but you came back more tired than when you left. And you're like, yeah, it was, it was good. I had a lot of memories, but like, uh, it was whatever. 
Or maybe it's the vacation where you rested a ton, but you didn't do anything. And you're like, well, I mean, now I feel like I'm awake, but I didn't, it wasn't fun. It's an experience that lets you down. Heaven will never be a letdown. It's where satisfaction meets experience and we enjoy the wonderful relationship we have with our God and experiencing creation the way he intended us to experience it. Guys, heaven is going to be awesome. I am so excited to go to heaven. Heaven is the promise for his children. So we need to focus on eternity. We need to focus our eyes, our hearts on heaven. That's what we're going to talk about. As I was, I was reading and researching, there's both a whole lot written on heaven and also a whole little written on heaven. More, less than you would think, but there's still a lot. Um, but there's this quote from an author that I absolutely love that I'm going to share with you in just a second. You don't put it up yet. But when I was thinking about heaven, I love stories. I love stories. I don't know if you love to read. I hated reading until I was like out of college and reading wasn't a requirement. Um, I, I, wanted mo- I wanted books to be made into movies because that's how I experienced a story. But I love stories. The beautiful thing is, is in stories, you, good stories, great stories, you know where it's going. Like, you're not kind of left with, you know, well, where are they going to take me here? So I think about when I read Harry Potter for the first time. I read the, the Sorcerer's Stone, and I'm reading it, and, and I knew, okay, Harry's going to have to fight Lord Voldemort sometime. Like, th- that's, wh- this, that's where this is going. Like, at some point, sometime, they're fighting, and someone's going to win, someone's going to lose. My favorite series of all time, The Lord of the Rings, um, I knew that the moment I started reading, and well, actually, I read it after I watched the movie. So the moment I watched the movie, I'm like, they're going to have to destroy the ring. Like, let's be real. We all know that that's what's going to happen. Like, there's going to be a fight of good and evil. Someone will win. Someone will lose. I know that that's where it's going. If you're like Pastor Lon and you love the Marvel series, the Marvel universe, maybe you've seen Avengers. Um, this isn't a spoiler because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not as invested in it. But um, if you've seen it, I know that Thanos, like that purpley blue big guy, he's going to lose. Like somehow, some way, the Avengers are going to win. It's not going to be like you go and pay $27 to go see the movie and it's like, oh, they all lost. Like we know that in the battle of good and evil, that, that good is going to win and evil is going to lose. The beautiful thing about this is we have been given the ending of our story. We get the luxury of knowing the end of our story. That's awesome. And we know that it's a promise of paradise. Now, when I say focus on eternity, I want you to say eternity with me. Ready? Eternity. Okay, we're going to try that again. Eternity. Okay, so eternity doesn't just encompass heaven. It's more than just that. But, it, but we're going to focus a lot on heaven. We're going to, get to, to, going to get to it towards the end. But eternity doesn't just focus on heaven. But I want us to, fo- us to focus on heaven. So one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, has this to say about heaven. If, if put it on the screen. Our whole education tends to fix our minds on this world. When the real want for heaven is present in us, we do not recognize it. Most people, if they really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that the thing they do want, they want acutely, something they, that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that offer to give it to you, but they never quite keep their promise. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. We need to focus on eternity. So how do we, now that we know what heaven is, we could think about heaven a lot, but what is, how does that change today? How does that change tomorrow? How does that change my current situation? 
Great question. I'm glad you asked. Let's open our Bibles, and we are going to go to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians is towards the end of the Bible in the New Testament. After the books Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians, it's kind of like just in the back here. It's a short four-chapter chapter book. It's really easy to, to kind of thumb over. If you don't have your Bibles or you don't have the, the technological iBible or Android Bible, it will also be on the screens. But we are going to be looking at, a fee, or at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. But before we do that, I want to walk through where we're going in light of this. Okay, so as you go there, I want to walk through where we're going in light of this. So focus on eternity. What do we do? If you could put up the, the points. We're going to look at the possibility of heaven. To focus on eternity, we have to understand the possibility of heaven. We have to understand our preparation for heaven. And then we also have to understand the promise of heaven. So that's where we're going to go. We're going to look at focusing on eternity. We in order to do that, we have to understand the possibility of heaven, the preparation for heaven, and the promise of heaven. So if you are there, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is God's word. Now, to understand the possibility of heaven, Paul here has been making a case throughout the book of Colossians on the supremacy of Christ and the deadness of our sins, that we are dead in our sins and trespasses. Now he gets to this point where he's, pre, he's going, okay, if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, this is what? So since then, and he focused on two things. Since then, first, you have been raised with Christ. We have to understand the power of the resurrection. And the second thing is in verse three, he says, for you died. That doesn't sound very happy, but he says, for you died. Now, we're going we're gonna to flip it, and we're going to look at the death before we look at the life, okay? We're going to look at death before life. Now, it says, for you died. And Pastor Will, at the very beginning of this series, talked about our deadness and sin. Scripture affirms it over and over again. Romans 6 says, for the wages of our sin is death. We need to get this. We can't think that in our sin, we're just bad, or we're broken, or we're sick. That somehow there's a way for us to get better. We need to understand that we're dead. What do dead things do? Nothing. They're dead. They smell. They rot. They're dead. That's us. Because of sin, because of the fall, we're dead. Now, I want to pause there because what we're going to look to in this life is that we weren't created to be dead. Genesis chapter 2 talks about the creation and how it's the culmination of, of God's work and everything is pointing back. Heaven is pointing back to the Garden of Eden. And so we see after God made everything, he said it was very good. He made the sky, the light. He made earth. He made the birds in the air and food. And he says it was good. And then we get to this point where he makes man. He makes man in his own image. And he says it's very good. It's very good. But then after that, he puts Adam to sleep, takes a rib from him, and he makes woman. And then the first recorded words of all of humanity, the first recorded words of, every, of any human being is what Adam says once he sees Eve, okay? So that's really significant. He says, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Man will leave his father and mother and the two will become one flesh. 
right? In the Hebrew, it literally is, dang, wow. I'm kidding, that's not what it is. But it's, he's like, wow, you, you made this for me? Heaven is going back to Eden. And we see in Eden, the very first thing was a wedding where God presented Eve to his son Adam as a father, as a wedding. In Revelation, we see that, that the very end is a wedding where the bride of Christ is married to the bridegroom, Jesus. Where we, the church, finally, finally become one with Christ. But in order for us to, to see that reality, we have to understand the significance of what Christ has done for us. We are dead. If we think we aren't dead and we think we're sick, we think that there's a way to fix the symptom. But there isn't. We're dead. We are dead. We have to, we have to, we have to get that. We are incapable of producing good in our own. We're incapable of changing our condition. But the good news is, is what Paul says at the very beginning. Since then you have been raised with Christ. This is the resurrection. We are incapable of producing life in ourselves, but our good Savior produces life in us. First, Christ rose from the dead. Second, we rise from the dead with Christ in Christ. Guys, this is awesome. Paul also talks about this in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is like the chapter on resurrection. It's 58 verses, so we're not going to read it here together, but I want to talk about it a little bit because I don't think, I know for me, I don't live as if I believe the resurrection on a daily basis. I, I affirm it. I say, yeah, it happened, but, but I don't live as if I believe it. And I think the same is for you. In fact, I know it is. And so when I was thinking about this and like, why don't we believe in the resurrection? I thought of this, this thing that happened to me once. So while I was a student pastor, um, we had this event and we, we gave this prize to one of our students for, for coming. There's like a drawing and the prize was a movie party for four. So it was like a gift card for tickets, four tickets to a movie with food and drinks, everything. It was like awesome. I wanted it. Like I, I wanted it. And it was praise be the Lord that I didn't keep it for myself. But we gave, this, we gave this to a student who won, and they were super excited. They, they went to the movie theater. They, they got everything ready. They got their friends. They gathered. They were there. They're like, okay, we want to see this movie. Heaven is for real. I'm just kidding. That's not what they saw. But they wanted to see a movie, and, and when, they, when they gave the gift card to the teller, he goes, okay, sweet. What? Okay, so I'll swipe it again. Someone forgot to put any balance on the gift card. My bad. <laughs> Can you imagine like that, those high school students who are at the movie theater who are like, uh, like, is this a joke? Like my youth pastor is the worst. <laughs> this is either the meanest joke or the biggest mistake. Um, but it made me think, you know, if we don't believe in the resurrection, if the resurrection didn't actually happen, if it isn't real, then we are the fools standing at the box office. No, you're still dead. You can't, you can't receive life. I'm sorry. You, know, you can't come in. You're, you're, you don't have life. If the resurrection didn't happen, then the currency of grace is void. It's meaningless. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we are dead in our sins. Jesus was just the crazy lover who said, hey, I love you and I'm going to die for you. And then he died and it's like, oh, okay, Jesus seemed like a nice kind of insane man. 
He kept talking about his father in another planet. Like, that's all there is. That's all there is. But praise be to God that that is not the case. Earlier in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, he make, Paul makes a proof, a case for why the resurrection happened. That there were eyewitnesses. He talks about it from a secular perspective, from a Christian perspective, that it is a validated, viable, historical event that really happened. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus really lived. He really died. He really rose again. And because of that, we can experience grace. But even still, even when we affirm that, we believe that, we don't live that. I know I don't. So uh, a pastor illustrated it to me this way once, and I, I think it was really profound, and I want to share it with you. Imagine with me now that we're worshiping. You guys just sang the songs. It was all really good. And, um, and I'm late. I'm like really late. I'm not here. And it's like, wow, where's Chad? He's really blowing his preaching opportunity here. Um, this, is, this is awkward. You know, and, and 10 minutes go by, 20 minutes go by, I'm still not here. You guys in this analogy are really gracious with me and you stayed. But, but finally I come in and I'm just like, guys, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I was like, you wouldn't believe what happened to me on the way to church today. Like, I, we, were on, we were on 59, and we were driving, and all of a sudden, our tire blew. Like, it just blew. And, I, and we swerved, and it was wild, and we almost wrecked. But, but thankfully, nothing happened. Like, we were okay. So, um, so I got out of the car, and, and I got my spare tire, and I went, and I started fixing it. And out of nowhere, this semi-truck hit me, going 55 miles an hour. And I flew, like, 150 feet. It was insane. The guy was texting and driving. Who does that? Like, but it's okay, I'm here. I'm like ready to go. I just, it shook up a little bit. I mean, you'd imagine I got hit by a truck. Like, wow. And you'd be like, okay, like, no. Like, if you're gonna come up with a lie while you're late, that's not the right one. You know, like, clearly that didn't happen. Like, say your dog at your homework, something. Um, but the reason that we wouldn't believe me that you'd go, Chad's either insane or his jokes aren't funny is because if I really got hit by a semi-truck, I would look very transformed. I would look very different, wouldn't I? You wouldn't want to see me. I, I, would, I would be changed. Guys, the reality is we have been hit with the gospel of grace. And yet we act as if we are unchanged. People couldn't tell the difference in us. They wouldn't know. Guys, if we believe in the resurrection... We believe that we have been changed. We went from being dead to alive. But a lot of times we pretend like we're still dead. So the first thing is we have to understand the possibility of heaven comes straight out of the gospel. Paul points to the gospel. It is by the power of our resurrected and lifted high Lord Jesus that heaven is even in the conversation. But now... How do we prepare for that? What do we do in light of that? How is our life different because of that? Again, you guys ask really good questions. Let's talk about that. So we're going to look at the rest of verse 1. Paul says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Then he said, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I want to make a few points. First, 
the fact that it says that God is seated at the right hand of the Father, that, that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God, is, is an indication that victory has happened. Christ is seated because the work has been done. There's nothing yet to do. Death has been defeated. Jesus has claimed his children. Amen. And he's seated at the right hand of God, which is an indication of honor, the highest honor, the highest honor possible and possibly imagined. But it says, set your hearts and minds on things above. To set your hearts, I was thinking like, what does that mean? What does it mean to set our hearts? Like I think about that, I'm like, okay, maybe I care about something a whole lot. Maybe that's what it means. I just, I just need to care more about this. Set my mind, I just need to like think harder about like heaven. Maybe that's what it is. I just need to like, like it more and, and think about it more. Guys, this is, what it's not saying is that imagine that heaven went on your Instagram feed and you hit the like button, the little heart. That's not, that's not setting your heart on things above. It's not that. In Greek, what it talks about when it says set your hearts, it's your desires, your longings. It's your, what motivates you. It's your passions. To set your hearts on is to seek out. Think about like the, the person who's crazy in love. You know, they make the, the irrational decisions and when they explain it, they're just like, I'm in love. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you do that? Doesn't everyone carve their, like, their, their girlfriend's name like in the concrete? Like, that's just what you do. And you go, no, no one does that. <laughs> but when you're devoted, when you are in love, when you have set your heart on something, you are committed to it. You see it everywhere. All you do is you're consumed by it. You long for it. That's what it's saying. Long for Christ. Let your motivation be driven by Christ. But then it says when you set your mind on is to, be, have a, is to have a captive focus, to have an undivided attention. It's not just what you think, it's what you see, it's what you hear, it's how you speak. You are silent, you are captivated, you are focused, you are locked in. So when he says, when Paul is saying, set your minds on things above, set your hearts on things above, it's saying, let your devotion, let your motivation, let your intention, let your captivation be set on the risen Lord Jesus. Focus on eternity. But the reason he says this is because just like them, we don't do it. Right? He says the counter to that is not on the earthly things. He wouldn't be saying this if it was something we all did. We're like, yeah, thank you, Paul. We do that all the time. No, we're a lot like the church of Colossae where they, they believe that Jesus was just one of the gods. We might say that Jesus is Lord, but we pursue other things. How do you know if you're setting your hearts on things of this earth? Well, setting your hearts on things of this earth is putting anything in the position that God rightfully has. It's idolatry. It's this. Let me paint a picture for you in it. You're working and you really want recognition. You really want acceptance. You want your boss to validate the work you do. You want your coworkers to appreciate your hard efforts. You want your friends and family to see you as successful. And so you become a workaholic. You busy yourself with things. You want people to see you as successful, as capable, as valuable. And so you've put your career, you've put your success, you've put your accomplishments in the place where only Jesus can be. Maybe you have, you've been the person who, who wants like relationship, you want security, you want some kind of thing that you can hold on to, to know that it's there. And so you go from person to person looking for that, that anchor, 
You, you create systems to have stability in your life. You resent change as if you are allergic to it. Like, change is the worst thing possible. You need security. And so you chase after security as if it was your savior. Or maybe you're longing for the experience. You want to live life to the full. Like, you only live once, so make the most of it. And so you want to make sure that you don't miss out. And so you will do any and everything because you need to experience life. So those things are more important to you than the one who made those things. So you look for satisfaction in the next experience, in the next moment, in the next vacation, next trip. That is one way that we set our hearts and minds on things of this earth. Another way, I think, is that we just get distracted. Like, as believers, if you're, if you're in Christ, if you affirm that Jesus is Lord and Savior, you want him, you want him to be the Lord of your life, but man, is it hard because our future realities is drowned out by the noise of our present circumstances and our past regrets. We sit and we think and we, all, and, and we go, wow, I, do you know how I lived? Like, can God really forgive that? Like, I, I don't know if I, grace is for other people, but I still need to work out me. Like, God will love me once I do my time. I do my part. I just prove to him that I'm capable and worthy of his love and affection. Right now, Lord, you don't, I have kids. Like, Chad, you don't understand, Lord. I have kids. You get this. Like, I'm busy. How am I supposed to focus on eternity when I'm, like, trying to, like, stay alive? I, I, for me, this is where, where I was really challenged this week. This is where I, it hit me on Sunday um, Jayla and I, we, we were sitting in bed and, and I was reading because I like reading now. And, um, and as I was reading, we had a really good day. We really enjoyed worship here with you guys. We played softball. We didn't do very well, but we had fun playing. And, um, and then we were just sitting, just having a really great day. And I'm reading and all of a sudden out of nowhere, I don't know if this happens to you or if this ever happened to you, but like a highlight reel starts playing in my mind. And this highlight reel is all these images, these video clips of all of my failures my mistakes, my sins, my insecurities, my embarrassments, the things I don't want people to know because if they did, they wouldn't like me. The things I don't want me to know because it makes me not like me. And I was sitting there and all I could think of was, Chad, you're a hypocrite. You'll never be able to preach the word of God because you don't live it. Look, I have proof. Do you need more? I have it. My past failures screamed, saying my future realities don't exist. Maybe you've been there. I want to tell you that that is not the case. We need to set our focus on eternity because our future realities reclaim our past failures. In the resurrected Lord Jesus, instead of seeing failure, he sees forgiven. Instead of seeing sinner, he says son. In the resurrected Lord Jesus, our past mistakes are his glory. He has conquered the sin in our lives and the death and he's brought us life. They don't have weight over you anymore. They don't have weight over me anymore. That's the gospel. And we need to be preparing for that. I think about this, I... I had the pleasure and have had the pleasure of working in a place where four of the ladies in our, in our church have been engaged. It's been really exciting. It's been fun. And, and I think all of them now have, no, one, there's one that still has yet to be married. Um, so this summer was a summer of weddings. 
But what's really cool is when they started talking about the wedding, right? They got proposed to and it was super exciting and they're just, you see the decorations all over their cubicle and all over their office and all they talk about is like, we're going to have this flower arrangement and this person's going to be our caterer and we're going to go to this venue and it's going to be great and this is going to be our first dance and this is going to be, oh, I'm going to look great, like see this dress and, you know, it's, they're just so excited about the wedding. Guys, Jesus is coming back. We need to be excited about the wedding. We need to prepare ourselves for the wedding. That's what we need to do. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. So we see that the the possibility of heaven is found in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Preparing for heaven is setting our hearts and minds on the resurrected Lord Jesus and not on our present circumstances, not on the idols of our heart, not on our past failures. And now we're going to see that the promise of heaven is found in Christ. And so what I want to say that is, uh, this is where I want to clarify eternity. Because eternity both encompasses heaven, but it also encompasses hell. To have paradise, there has to be punishment. Paradise isn't just something that exists apart from punishment. For us to receive paradise, Jesus experienced the wrath of punishment on our behalf. It was costly. And if you, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I've never believed that. I want to pursue the kingdom of me. And that's all I've wanted. I I just want, I want to be known. I want to be loved. I want to find, I want to prove to myself and I want to prove to my family and I want to prove to my friends that I can do it. That I can fix my situation. I just want to experience life. Guys, Jesus accomplished it for us. The only satisfaction you will find is in him. And it cost him everything but he did it gladly. He did it gladly for you and for me. So when we are called, when we are charged to set our minds and our hearts on things above, guys, we can't even do that. If we could do it, we would do it, but we don't do it. And so for us to set our hearts and minds on things above somehow implies that we have the strength to do it, but guys, we don't. The only one who has ever fully set their heart and mind on things above was Jesus when instead of turning from the cross, he embraced it and he rose from the dead in victory. That is the only time, that is the only one who has ever fully set his heart and mind on things above. He obeyed the will of his father and submitted to the suffering of death on our behalf. He experienced the wrath of hell so that we could experience the pleasures of paradise with him. That's the gospel, guys. Focusing our heart on eternity is focusing our heart on the gospel. It's understanding that we can't just look at heaven and think that it's somehow good enough for us, but we have to look at hell as well. And know that there is someone who paid the price for us to be with him in paradise. But we tend to forget that all the time. I don't know if you're like me, you forget that every single day. You wake up and go, what am I going to do today? How is this day going to benefit me? Well, you might be in the middle of a conversation and you forget it. Have you guys ever seen the movie Finding Nemo? Anyone? Okay. Some of you. Some of you have. Okay. Uh, in the movie Finding Nemo, I love this movie. There's a movie, or there's a character named Dory. You guys all know Dory? Dory's like the beloved character because she forgets everything. She'll be in the middle of a conversation and go, hi, who are you? I'm Dory. You know, and it's just like, oh, so lovable. She forgets things. And so 
Dory is this person who forgets things all the time, over and over and over again. And, but this is the only one who's going to help find Nemo. So the one who forgets everything is going to be the one who's going to help find Nemo. But there's one thing, there's one thing in the movie Finding Nemo that Dory remembers. Do you guys remember what it is? It's an address. P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney, right? She says it over and over and over and over again. She makes a song about it. She knows her friends with it. She gets other people to sing it. She says it repeatedly. Why? Because she forgets it. And she knows that if she does, she's lost her purpose. Guys, the gospel is the thing that we need to remember. We focus on Jesus. We focus on eternity because every single day we need the gospel and we forget it every single moment. As I'm preparing for this message, I need to confess to you because even in the writing, I'm going, man, I wonder if they're going to like, like that story. I wonder if they're going to laugh at that. I wonder if they're going to go, Chad, you're a really good preacher. You know, I kind of like daydream of all these things. Like, I wonder if they're going to be like, yay, Chad. You know, like, and, and, then, and then I start crafting this message in, the, in trying to build my own kingdom. Like, look at me. I'm a successful pastor. Look at me. I'm a successful communicator. Everyone affirming me. It's so easy, even when getting ready to preach the gospel, to lose sight of the gospel. We need to remember, that's how insidious it is. That how, that's how evil it is. We need to remember the gospel. We focus on eternity because that is the only place we will ever find life, where we ever find satisfaction, where we ever find fulfillment, and it's found in the person of Jesus. But before we end and we go, yes, that's awesome, that's, that's absolutely true, um, I was reminded by, there's a pastor in St. Charles named Joe Thorne, and he, he says it like this, um, the only thing that we should want more than the coming Jesus is for others to find him first. The only thing we should want more than for Jesus to come back is for others to find him before he comes back. And we need to be working to that end. Because, and that, that is in line with what Jesus says, what the greatest command is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you know that there's hope, why are you holding out? If you know that there's hope and that there's life found, why are you not saving? Why are you not letting Jesus save the dead? Why aren't we sharing it? The only thing we should want more than Jesus to come back is for our friends to find him first. Focus on eternity. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. Thank you for your grace. God, we are so quick to forget. We are so quick to be faithless. Father, thank you for the resurrected Lord Jesus. Thank you for sitting at the right hand of the Father in victory. Thank you that because you we have life and life to the full. And Lord, on this earth, until you come back and we pray it is soon. We pray it's today. We pray that I don't even finish this prayer and that you're coming back. Lord, we want you here. But we pray that while we are still here, we would make you known with every breath we have. The very things that we do, we would do within, whether in word or in deed for your glory and for your good, Lord. Pray this in your holy, precious name. Amen.